0: 40 is the new 20, but those judges are really cunty. With the fight elections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. We are back, guys and gals. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the quarantined MMA fan, hosted by a quarantined man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. There's a lot to discuss. Uh, I'm gonna breeze through some of these fights uh, just because we have two whole fight cards to recap since last we spoke. God damn, that's a lot. Um and then we gotta um we got a lot to talk about in the forum as well. So um let me just say there were there was uh there was a lot to um digest with these fights. I gotta say the more and more we keep uh, the more and more we watch them, I keep thinking, no crowds is better, and and I get the pushback on it, and I, and obviously I don't want it to stay this way. Um, I, you know, the, there's a lot of like big fights, like for example the the Tony versus Gaethje fight. The energy of the crowd would have been nuts for that, and that that definitely adds to it. But those wooing cucks, number one, number two, the fact that we can hear. Uh, the corners properly, the fact that we can hear conversations, not only mid-fight, but post-fight, between the fighters, it's so special. Uh, there's a lot I love about it. And the, just just to kind of fast-forward a little bit to that Courtney Casey fight versus Mara Romero-Barella, the squeal and tap, I'm calling it, when she was like, ah, and then tapped as well, so, so good. I mean, I'll I'll get there when I get to it, but I ha- I have a certain thought about that that is kind of um, been rolling around in my mind. But um, let's get right down to it, man. The the first fight of these uh, UFC Jacksonville cards, Chase Sherman versus Ike Villanueva. Definitely uh, definitely a, a solid heavyweight fight. I mean, heavyweight MMA can be boring when it's not elite, and uh, it wasn't like a ton of action. But I thought like Chase Sherman was really finding his timing and. Um, it was a nice stoppage from him as well. Uh, I, re- I really liked that fight, and it was good to see him back, man. He looked good. Um, I don't know if he's improved a ton like I- I'm a fan of chase Sherman i I'll, ju- I'll just say that I'm-, I'm not gonna sit here and call him a future champion, but I'm a fan of his and I like his story. Um, whenever he tweets about his his son is so cute. Uh, like he, he-, um, he-, he tweeted up um, a picture of of his son watching the fight uh after on Instagram and uh he said this is more important than anything else you know nothing about like from the fans or anything else like any bonus like that super cute to me and um what i wanted to say about his initial ufc run is that when he looked good he looked good um he he was always a kind of fighter to like take one to give one kind of like defense was never super on point but you know he he looked good in those wins but he also looked real bad in the losses dude i believe it was uh, his fight against Justin Willis that I saw live in Atlantic City, uh, he just never got off, man. And Justin Willis, not not elite, like definitely not. And uh, that was kind of hard to watch. So I'm really I'm really looking forward to his um, his new chapter, let's say in the UFC. I hope they give him more fights, man. I really do, and I hope he gets fucking paid. Like, I I know he renegotiated his his contract after those uh, two wins that he had before. Um, I I hope they gave him at least that contract to come back. Like, I got to feel like, if I'm honest, the UFC probably took advantage of the situation. Like, they they knew that their only game in town, he's a local fighter. And normally they bring in local fighters to, like, bring, like, sell tickets. And obviously that wasn't the case because there's no crowd. But I feel like they they probably helped, helped viewership early on at least. Uh, but good on him, man. And the Bri- the Brian Kelleher fight was was interesting. There are two bantamweights going up a weight in featherweight, which I fucking love. I got to say, there was a lot of that going on in these cards. Um, I don't know how much of that was due to the short notice. Uh it probably was. I would like to think that it was also the fact that people recognize cutting weight during a pandemic as fucking dangerous but um there are plenty of deniers out there as evidenced by the lack of masks at these fucking weigh-ins jesus christ um but uh brian kelleher was uh and i'm a big brian Kelleher fan but i have to be honest which is not something i usually do and say that he was kind of on his way to losing that fight like hunter azure who's normally just a grinding wrestler, was kind of getting the best of him on the feet. But uh, make no mistake, that was not a lucky punch that took him out. He was looking for that the whole fight. And he finally found it. He got his timing. Nasty. I want to say it was a left hook. Could have been a right hook. Felt like a hook. It was a It was a bomb that he landed on Hunter Azure. Or Azure, or however the fuck you say it. And he... um, He looked good. And, and I got to say, the call-out of Sugar Sean, I love that he keeps chasing this fight, man. Uh... It's on its way to getting to a point where it's desperate. Like if if Sugar Sean is like not interested in the fight, because obviously he's a kind of guy that like gets called out a lot, so he doesn't have to respond to everything. And people people can say like, oh, he's ducking him or whatever. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, plenty of Sugar Sean stands on my Twitter think he's like God, and that is so fucking weird. Like they're obviously on drugs. And you can not be a Sugar Sean fan and not be on drugs, but dude. Don't be on drugs and also tweet about fights. Like, don't do that. You know what I mean? But, uh, I love that Brian Kelleher was like, hey, you gave Bryce Mitchell those, uh, tie-dye shorts, or sorry, you gave him those camo shorts, give me some tie-dye shorts to fight Sugar Sean, which is a good troll, but bro, if they're gonna give any sort of pattern shorts that are different from the normal to either one in that equation, it's gonna be Sugar Sean who got the tie-dye Reebok shirt. Like, they're not gonna fucking give that to you. Um... Like, for sure, get one with, like, grenades on it or whatever for your the whole Boom logo, which is which is cool, by the way. Um, but I love it. I love to see it. And um, Dana tried to fucking ignore it in the, in the post for press conference. They were like, oh, we saw footage of, of him talking to you after the fight. He said on the mic that he wanted those tighty shorts. What can you tell us about that? He was like, oh, is that what he said? Oh, listen, man. And he sort of changed the subject. I was like, oh, boo you, Dana. Fucking, I've been a lot of, like, there's there's a lot of people that are like, we have to applaud Dana for giving us these fights. No, we don't. He's first of all just doing that in his own best interest. And second of all, he's kind of been a cuck about it. Not a cuck, but like a, a arrogant prick. So I don't I don't have to fucking simp for Dana. No, sir. Not me. No, sir, not me. But I don't uh, I don't hate on anyone who does um, Sim for Dana in these times because uh, a lot of y'all really needed these fights, myself included. Um, I said I was gonna breeze right through, and then I'm doing my normal pace because mm, fucking idiot. But uh, dude, that Omar Morales fight I gotta say was was pretty damn good, and that nasty uh, gash on Gabriel Benitez's shin where they were showing the bone, first of all. Got some funny MMA Twitter accounts um, from this. Like, I think the Just Bleed guy changed to being simp for Gabriel Benitez's shin, which is so weird. But uh, they did not have to keep showing it. Like, they showed that shin as much as they showed Anaya Blanchard in the fucking uh, next UFC card, which we'll get to. Um, but good, good for Omar Morales. He's looking good. Get him a damn better nickname, too, as well. Like, um... Brandon the Truth uh tr- tweeted about uh Brandon NoCauch, by the way it's not knockout it's Nocouch. um they he he was tweeting about getting him a better nickname and someone one of my followers had responded being like start a threat and go and my man just fired off like three great ones right away cuz I think his nickname right now is like Venezuelan fighter or something like that which is like so vanilla like, bro, imagine if any of the people that are any you know, of the fighters from the US made their nickname American Fighter. They would get laughed at. And this is like sort of the same thing. Uh we're not gonna think about Sajar Eubanks because it's terrible. Uh, but Thiago Moisés versus MJ uh Michael Johnson, that is, was a was a pretty good fight. Like it was a quintessential Michael Johnson fight where he's winning until he's not. And honestly, that's the story of his career. And we're going to talk about it later because uh, there's a good question about it in the forum. But honestly, I feel bad for, for Michael Johnson. Thiago Moises is a is a, is a stud. So it, it's not a, by any means a bad loss. He's not losing to fucking Stevie Ray. Like, that was a bad one. Um, not a Stevie Ray fan at all, if you couldn't tell. But Michael Johnson was kind of lighting him up on the feet, was stuffing some takedowns early. And then Thiago Moises just comes out of a, like a bat out of hell in the second round misses the takedown, like initially gets stuff, but then he pulls guard and kind of rolls into a heel hook. Nasty heel hook. Uh, Michael Johnson tapped, rightly so. Uh, Choco Moises is uh, is one to watch, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a, a, a prospect. I mean, he's in a tough division in lightweight. I think he's also fought at featherweight. I think he maybe goes back and forth. But either way, like the two most stacked uh, divisions. And uh, looking forward to him. Andrei aowski turns back the clock against felipe Linz, man this is a this is an awesome fight um his post fight interview was hilarious too he was like my coach was asking for takedown I didn't do takedown I should have done this and um Felipe Linz was looking good Kairo's had a good point of him like losing out on a million dollars from the p f l um and it, it, it's unfortunate that um fighters Get taken advantage of financially in that, in that regard because the and the UFC knows that like they're competitors at heart and that they will sometimes take a pay cut to prove themselves, which gotta be honest, so not worth it, like, so not worth it. But uh, Andre, Andrei Lofsky, uh is um, is one of those fighters that. You never tell when he's done, right? Because he'll have some like bad knockouts, and he'll think, "God, he should just really retire." And then he'll come back and just like beat the brakes off this young kid, and we're like, "What, really?" And, and credit to American Top Team for adding like years on his career. I mean, good stuff from Underalowski. And I real, I gotta be honest. This next fight, I really needed that Drew Dober win. If Alex Hernandez would have won. I probably would have been insufferable on the timeline. Like, Drew Dober is fucking awesome, even though he has a Lego head. And Alex Hernandez is so annoying. Like, so annoying. That KO was sweet. Uh, But credit to him for making it a dogfight early on. Because Alex Hernandez was really gun-shy in his last fight. Against uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Um, I think that's who it was. Francisco Trinaldo. Yeah, I think that's right. Anyway, uh, he actually was firing back, and they got into some wild exchanges where I was like, oh, shit, is Drew Dubber going to pull this one out? But he did. Second round, KO. Absolutely destroyed that guy. And uh, I got to say, I was so wrong about the Ben Rothwell fight. Um, I thought OSP would be more athletic and, like, explosive. And that was certainly not the case. Like, he felt Big Ben's power early, and... um, he had some good moments. I think he rocked Ben a couple times, um, and I, Ben was talking in an interview recently. Uh, it was on the A Side Live Chat. He was saying that it used to be like in like 2005, um, and like the heyday of heavyweight MMA, there used to be a saying that was like the first heavyweight to get a takedown wins the fight. And he was like, "I bet that's what a lot of these two ers think, like they can get some takedowns and win." Um, but uh, that was certainly not the case. Like Ben almost had that go-go choke on osp so i guess we gotta give osp more credit because josh barnett who is one of the best grapplers in that division if not in the sport um tapped to that choke obviously mitrion is not a grappler but he tapped as well and osp uh does not just have the von Pro choke a lot of people are like Oh, he's going to win this by Von Pru, which is a situational choke. It's not fair to be like, oh, he's going to win by that choke. Even though he seems to get it a lot. Um, He definitely did not tap to that go-go choke. It was a wild-ass fight. And it was like sloppy, but good. Like good, sloppy, heavyweight MMA is good to me. I don't know. Yes, it's not the most exciting, Brennan, the truth. But it's exciting to me. And now we got to talk about this Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith fight, dude. I, I really... I have a lot to say, and it's gonna be I don't wanna get on a soapbox here. I don't wanna fucking virtue signal uh because I never actually do that, even though some people think I do, because they're just incels on Twitter. But dude, I honestly don't know who to blame for this. Because on the one hand, I mean this this is a pretty bad beating. Um DC made a good point about them being able to hear their corner way too much and their corner like shouting kind of nonstop instruction and Anthony Smith following like all of it. And so he kind of like did everything and gassed himself out a little bit. Um, But Glover Teixeira really by like the end of the second round was turning the tide on that fight. And rounds three and four were like unmistakably 10-8 rounds for Glover Teixeira. And the fifth was on its way to being a 10-8 round. Anthony Smith was handing the referee his teeth. So on the one hand, you got to stop the you, as as a ref, you got to feel like that's the perfect opportunity to stop the fight. If that's not like a sign, I don't know what is. And and yes, they're apparently they're veneers, and and those things happen. But bro, it was fucking bad. And I also don't want to sit here and say, like, it was hard to watch and that it was uh, a terrible black guy on the sport because this is MMA, man. Like, this shit is going to happen. Like, people are going to get dominated and, and there's going to be some really bad beatings. So, I'm not going to sit here and say that Anthony should retire. I'm also not going to sit here and say he should fire his team, even though I did say it on Twitter. I'm, I'm going back on that a little bit. Um, I, I just don't know how to feel about it because. Like the ref is the first line of defense. It is literally their job to stop the fight and protect the fighter from themselves. And fighter safety is number one. And clearly, that that was at 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 stake there. But on the other hand, your corner also needs to have your your best interest at heart. And Chael Sonnen made a good point on this. He said the fight the corner should be stopping the fight when you can no longer win. Anthony Smith was not in a position to win that fight. He certainly was not, and the fucking timing on that instruction, I, I do have to bury the corner a little bit because Anthony Smith was in the corner saying, "My teeth are falling out." That's not a direct quote, but it was. I it might be. It was saying he was he was losing teeth, and they're like, "Try some uppercuts." Like, it was it was desperation at best. It was really not anything that I want to hear. It, remi- it reminded me of the fucking. Raquel Pennington corner. I mean, it wasn't as clear as that. That was really bad. But in my opinion, we need to hear from Mark Montoya. Because Anthony Smith said, my team did everything I asked them to do. I never want them to stop to fight. This, that, and the other. And honestly, I get it. And that's fine. And there, there's, a, there's a gentleman on Twitter who I, I'm not going to call out, but he was saying that, you know, he was calling my take a bad take about saying he should fire his corner. I was saying being hyperbolic. Duh. But he was saying... Uh, you don't know the conversations that take place between them, and that's true. I don't. But sometimes you have to be objective about these things. Do I know their relationship? No. I don't care if it's father or son. That was bad. That was bad. He was, he was getting lit the fuck up. So, do I then shift the blame to the ref? I mean, I got to credit Jason Herzog because, in my opinion, I was I was saying this was one of like his worst performances as a ref. And here's a guy who I've had immense respect for. I don't think I've ever seen him have a bad call. Uh, seriously, never. Um, not that I can remember. And this was just like, he was asleep at the wheel, but he made a statement on Twitter and he he said, I 100% should not have done that. This is a bad call. And dude, we need more refs like that. So if, if someone is willing to own up to their mistakes, like not in the form of a troll account. I respect that immensely. So I'm going to continue to um, to say Jason Herzog is one of the best in the game. Even though he shit the bed on that. Um, I just got to say, part of it is, is I'm a big fan of Anthony Smith. So watching that was hard. But it wasn't hard in the sense that I can't stomach violence. Or I'm fucking soft. Uh, even though I am. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but it was just, it was just like, dude, I don't want to see him lose this fight because here's the other thing dude the whole time I was thinking about this Anthony Smith was supposed to have this fight in his hometown and not that I'm saying like he would have had like a hometown advantage or whatever like that's not anything I'm I'm trying to say here it's just like he was supposed to have been rewarded for this fight for doing like a lot of analyst work for the UFC and taking a lot of short on its fights and saving cards. Like He sat on the Air Hawaii show one time like when the fight was announced you know, pre-pandemic. He said, um, they literally told me, is there any like sort of bucket list items you have? And he gave them a list. And on that list was headline a card in my hometown. Uh, or at least home state. And they did that for him. They gave him this fight and it was supposed to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. So... I don't know man I, I it was just not not my favorite fight. Um I am a fan of Glover Teixeira. I want to I want to be clear on that and um my pick against him was not in any way disrespectful. I knew that he could do that and uh Glover Teixeira turning back the clock was really nice to see. Uh, on a positive note like that was a fucking great performance from him. I love the uh, exchange where he was basically apologizing. Like that was pretty sweet. Um, Glover Teixeira is a kind of guy who fucking like John Hackleman, his coach, is one of those guys who thinks his 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 fighters shouldn't be fighting, like, which is just wild to me. Like he's a, he's comes from like a traditional Kempo background, I think, and he just he wants um, uh, fighters to like not be savages, I guess. But he only trains savages, like fucking Chuck Liddell and Glover Teixeira, and he's saying Glover is one of those guys who like actually loves it in there and uh that was evident so it was nice to see him actually say sorry and then anthony saying it is what it is you know as much as that fight was like just fucking i was screaming for them to stop the fight but that was that was a nice moment so add that to the list of things i like about no crowds i could literally do a fucking whole diatribe on the pros and cons of no crowds um but it wouldn't matter because there are gonna be plenty of people that are saying, No, bring the crowds back. I want the energy of the crowd. I like the woos. Anyway. So that's UFC Jacksonville Part One. Let's uh, put that to bed for now. We're probably gonna revisit it in the forum. Now UFC Jacksonville Part two got off to a nice start. And other than other than the uh the terrible judging, I like this card better. Like the 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 fights were just a better in my opinion. Um Starting the night with Rodrigo Nascimento getting a fucking rear naked choke over Dante Mays was awesome because I love when heavyweights uh, can can grapple. I, I seriously I love that. But it's it was sad to see Dante Mays do like here's a guy who got submitted by a kickboxer in his UFC debut and and then got uh, outboxed, out kickboxed by a grappler as well. Um and, and it sucks because he he he's the only guy to have gone in all three seasons of Dana White's contender series. So he really he really needed this opportunity and he I don't want to say he blew it, because I'm sure he did everything he could to win, but he unfortunately wasn't enough. You know, Rodrigo got the tap. Uh speaking of getting the tap, uh I, I mentioned earlier the squealing tap from Mario, Mario Romero Brella when Courtney Casey wrapped up that armbar was so nice dude and I gotta say like um whenever whenever there's a arm bar in women's MMA we tend to be like oh yeah typical like that's what they do but honestly men get arm bars all the time and and the submission was there like what's she gonna do not take it I don't know but uh I hope that she stays a flyway dude because honestly like I do not want to see her big eyes at away anymore. Um she is way too tall for that division And the weight cuts look tough. She looked just as shredded at flyweight. And was uh, the speed was there. I mean, Mara Romero-Barella is not the best barometer for that, if if we're honest. Like, her UFC run has not been, like, contender-worthy. But it's awesome. And when I talk about the squeal, so... um, If I'm correct about this, and I usually am... In the unified rules, a tap can be verbal. And a verbal tap doesn't have to be like saying the word tap. Like when Chelsea fought Jeremy Horn one time, um, both his arms were trapped when he got the armbar. So he literally had to say tap Um, for for the ref to stop the fight. But um, as we saw in the, I want to say it was Danny Roberts versus that guy they called a British uh, Brazilian or something like that. Claudio something. I'm, I'm probably getting his name wrong. But Danny Roberts was like squealing in pain and they stopped it. That counts as a verbal tap. Like you squealing in pain can be a tap. She happened to do both. But I, I just thought it was interesting that, that it made me wonder like are we going to see more of those in a world without crowds in, in 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 this, I don't know, era that we're in where there's, where there's no crowds. Um, is that going to be more evident? Are they going to be more mindful of that? Because uh those can be um muffled if if there's a crowd and you can get away with sort of gritting out a submission but uh, if you like show any sign of like pain ver- you know audibly uh, the ref can stop the fight like in a submission moving on that Nate Landwehr versus Darren Elkins fight was an absolute bloodbath and i fucking loved it and dude the most redneck post fight interview of all time it was like he was watching that Bryce Mitchell post-fight interview, and he was like, you think that boy's country? Hold my chew. Dude, Nate Landwehr so country, so redneck. But, man, that was a fucking great fight. And honestly, like, that's the kind of thing people expected from him. He's known for fights like that, uh, which makes the Herbert Burns win look much better. Because I, I said after the Herbert Burns debut... With both their debut, I was like, "Let's pump the brakes on calling this guy a future champion." Yeah, like he just had one fight in the UFC against uh, a guy also making his debut. Let's wait and see. But after seeing uh, Nate Landwehr fucking school Darren Elkins like that, uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Nate. I'm a fan of Herbert Burns, and it was just it was just craziness. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and Darren Elkins did not look that washed up in my opinion. Like he's had some fucking wars. And whatever. But uh, they were both having success. It, it was great to see. It, it really was. So uh, kudos to Nate. And uh, uh, got a fan of me. Got to say. And I see Giga Chikadze has not mastered the art of the post-fight interview. So uh, stream of consciousness rambles about everything. Uh, so likes to pretend that he's the ambassador for Georgia. He may be. I don't know. That would be weird. Um, but... Uh, that was just so, so nice to watch. Great fight. That Erwin Rivera guy coming in on short notice. Gotta say, great stuff from that kid as well. Like, these fights just... Everyone fucking delivered, man. Like, there was not a boring fight on the card. There really was not. Um, Kevin Holland defeating Anthony Hernandez was fucking money. My man weighed in 182.5 for a middleweight fight. So under... Not so underweight, but, uh, you know, two and a half pounds at the elite level. Like, that's kind of a lot. Um... And then calls out Mickey Gall. Like, bro, he's a welterweight who's talked about maybe wanting to move down to lightweight. Like, I don't know if that's the right move. Uh, Unless you want to go down to welterweight. Even still, like, that would be weird. I don't know. And I think it was Chelsea from the TKO podcast. Shout out to those ladies. Chelsea and Delilah. Love their show. Um, Chelsea pointed out that he looks like he has a Sugar Sean tattoo on his arm. Uh, If that's true i fucking need an explanation on that but as uh my boy freelance goon pointed out usually tattoos like that are for people that are no longer with us so that made me feel also like really bad thinking it was true so i hope i hope chelsea's right but then i also don't like it's a weird situation i'm not sure how to feel about it i feel bad for anthony hernandez as well because he was um you know, on his way to, like, rebounding from his debut where he got anaconda choked. And I love the nickname Fluffy Man. It was kind of weird, Kevin Holland, being like, yeah, I got a guy with that body type in my gym, and whenever he cuts weight, he's super susceptible to body shots because he gets soft in the belly. And I was like, dude, that's weird. <laughs> but uh, you could hear him after the fight talking to his coach he'd be like, didn't I tell you? I told you. And I, I thought it was so funny. Like, Kevin Holland always has funny post-fight interviews. Um, I can't remember the one when he, he had a, a nice, a nice win, um, where he was saying something really funny, but he, he said, I knew I wasn't going to have the wrestling advice from DC, no offense to y'all, but, uh, I knew I had to knock him out cause I wasn't going to get any, uh, grappling advice. And Paul Father was like, oh, okay. So, so you don't think I can grapple. Um, it's so, not like Michael, Michael Bisping's on a fucking black belt as well. Um. Uh, and then the, the Miguel Baeza versus Matt Brown fight, I gotta say, man, I, I do not like seeing Matt Brown, uh, get knocked out. Like this is a fucking, this fight started a stretch of like sadness for me, like for real, because Matt Brown was kind of having some success. Like he, he rocked Baeza at one point, he didn't really look slow, but it was just like if you're fighting a younger guy, like they're gonna, they're going to be able to withstand more shots. There haven't been as many wars as you. It just, it is what it is. Like, you're not going to win that battle of toughness. And you may be more tough, but if if, if a guy has heavy hands like that, you're not going to win that. Um. And it made me think the stoppage was a little weird, honestly, when they, they replayed it because he dropped him, but then Matt Brown was kind of still with it. And he missed the follow-up shot, but the ref was ready to jump in if that shot landed, and it did. So he kind of got like an extra shot when he... He knew he missed, so he threw like a weird like sideways hook from the from the from the top. Um but that was a great fight as well. For sure get a new nickname though, Carmel Thunder. I mean No, I kinda like it. I take that back. I kinda like it. But if you're going to have a nickname like Carmel Thunder, you have to be like fucking Johnny Walker and do like the striptease walkout. Like you have to do that. You can't have a name like Carmel Thunder and not pretend you're a porn star. Like that's just those are the rules. And I didn't make them up. But those are the rules. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what you got to do, man. So kudos to Miguel Baeza looking forward to his uh, UFC career. And Chido Vera got robbed, dude. I'm going to say it once again. If you thought Sung Yudong won that fight, I don't care about your opinion in this moment, dude. Like, that was fucking it. And there was a lot of people being like, oh, really close to my opinion. No, that's it. Hey, Chido Vera won that fight. He's supposedly a, just a grappler, and Sung Yudong is supposedly just a striker. Sung was getting outstruck, man. Look at his fucking face, dude. He was lighting that motherfucker up. And he was fucking winning the clinch battle. And even when they, he got him against the fence, dude, and they had that, that that like flurry back and forth where there was just absolutely no defense. I thought Chido Vera was winning that too, dude. Here's a guy in Sang Yedong who has fucking knocked dudes out, which is so rare for that weight class. And Chido Vera was like, fucking give me your best shot, man. And he was eating them, dude. I, I gotta say, like, I'm a huge Chido Vera fan and I know I'm biased. I know that. I have never said that I'm not biased. From day one of this show, I've always said I wear my bias on my sleeve. If you're not a journalist, you have to. And I fucking do not like when people pretend that they're not biased. But hey, Chino Vera won that fight. And I'm not fielding any questions about that. Okay? Now moving on. Christoph Jocko, uh, I probably, I'm going to hate him now. I I just decided. Like I was already kind of eh about his career. And then when he had that, um, he had a three-fight losing streak, and then he came back and won a decision against, um, I want to say it was like Oscar Pichota. It was probably in that Moscow card. I could be, or the same, sorry, probably the St. Petersburg card. Uh, one of them. Uh, he he was just like so happy in his post-fight interview. I was like, okay, okay, man. I, I respect to that. But in this fight, no. Hey, not a fan. And yes, that is because I'm an Eric Anders fan, and he beat Eric Anders. But it was also the fact that he was like, He wanted to cuddle me. Clinching is not cuddling, you boring fuck. Get out of here, Christoph Jocko. This is the same motherfucker that fought David Branch. And when David Branch was um, pushing him against the fence, he literally was like eye-rolling and looking at the ref. Hey, man, fight your way out of a clinch. This is MMA, not boxing. This is MMA. Clinching can happen for all of the round, as we saw in the goddamn uh, Holly Holm versus uh, Raquel Pennington 2 fight. And actually, now that I think about it, I think Jason Herzog was the ref for that fight. He could have separated them a few times. So maybe that was, if you could call that a bad call from Jason Herzog. But otherwise, uh, he's got a good uh, record, in my opinion. But hey, man, Christoph Jocko can put on a vest with fucking pockets and get on a flight. No, I'm not about to. It's about to go in a, in a dark place. But hey, man, not a fan of Christoph Jocko, and I don't need to be. And okay, so the Dan Ige fight, I have some thoughts about. Because, first of all, I picked Dan Ige. That was largely because I was expecting Barboza to not look that good. But then there were a couple reports, um, and by that I mean a tweet from Fernando Prache saying that he um, told her a long time ago that he has to like actively try to gain weight to be able to make lightweight um like he has to eat more carbs and things like that and then paul felder like confirmed that on the broadcast because they used to train together and they fought twice he was like yeah apparently he has to like really try hard to make a lie weight so he actually did not look that bad on the scale and i'm not one of those guys that like waits until weigh-ins to make my picks um i think that's fair if you do that but honestly like don't like doing that i hate waiting i hate doing it the day before um there's a few people on Twitter who do that, and I, I don't want to call them out because they don't deserve the shine, but uh, it's kind of sad. Um, anyway, I thought that could have gone Barboza's way. And if you had it for Dan Inge, that's no problem. It was definitely like the second round, in my opinion, was like pretty even because Dan Inge was winning that round kind of heavily initially, and then Barboza turned it around. I can't remember who won the first and who won the third in my mind. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like Barboza won the first because he was finding his timing early, and then and then Danie probably won the third. But, dude, if you had that first round, yeah, no, because on the broadcast, Paul Feather was like, he knows he can probably uh, stay on bottom and win a decision here because they thought he won the first two rounds. Um, th- but this is why the judging needs an overhaul, in my opinion. Like I'm not saying this was a robbery because this was like the closest of all the fights I disagree with the judges on, but it, it's, in my opinion, a case for uh, a better scoring system because in the scoring system we have, it's hard to justify a draw in this fight. And a lot of people are like, Oh, that could be a draw. I wouldn't be mad if it was. Yeah, but no, because honestly you got to pick a winner in the 10 point must system. Like you just, you have to, none, none of those rounds were at 10, eight. Um, a ten ten is like so not not it. I I, I don't I don't like when, when judges score around a ten ten unless it's fucking one of the rounds of Wonder Boy Woodley where they did fuck all. But um, you got to pick a winner, and um, I I personally gave the second round to Barboza because I thought he turned it around before the halfway point and then finished the round strong. Um, I could be wrong though. Like like I said, it wasn't that bad. Um, I just kind of personally thought. Um, Barboza won. And if they fucking do what they did with Aldo, where they thought he won, but on the on the scorecards he lost and they give Barboza a title shot, I would fucking not be surprised. I would probably be fucking mad at the UFC. Um but it also would be really surprising given that Ali is Daniga's manager and he's also like his assistant and is a manager himself, which is such a fucking conflict of interest, and they definitely need to fix that and now we move on to the co-main event man i gotta say dude this is another one like if you thought claudia Gadelia won that fight don't fucking talk to me and obviously i'm joking obviously i'm being hyperbolic but dude angela hill won rounds two and three of that fight and that's it that's it dude she dropped her in the second and it wasn't like that was her only success she outstruck her as well and in the third She outstruck her. Look at her face, dude. So clean. Look at Claudia's face. So not clean. And I just can't, like, if she doesn't have a number next to her name uh, on Monday morning when the rankings come out, that shit is fucking uncool. Put some respect on Angela Hill's name. I gotta say. uh, Again, super biased. But when it comes to judging, I'm usually not. Um, I've often said that I don't like the 10 point must system and that I I find it hard to score round by round when I'm watching in real time. But, uh, that's also usually because I'm like tweeting as well for this fight and the Cheeto fight. I was like away from Twitter. Um, except in between rounds, I was like, I need to be 100% focused. I need these people to win. I need to fucking make sure that the judges are on their P's and Q's and Hey, when they read the scorecard and they, and it was a split decision, I I already was pretty sure she lost because split decisions usually did not go her way, but when they read that the judge um, who gave it to her was uh, to to Angela was Sal D'Amato, that to me was also proof that that that's the fucking right call because historically I've agreed with his decisions, and I'm not one of those people that knows the um the decision the 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 judges for every finding can like remember that shit, but anytime they've read a split decision and it has been Sal Diamato that gets right because usually they only show show the names when it's a split decision, um, and I'm one of those fucking nerds that like investigates it on MMA decisions dot com or whatever. Um, not if you do, I don't judge you. I'm just saying. Um, but I was just like Sal Diamato He 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 got it right, and uh, that's how I feel about it. And now we gotta talk about the main event. And here's the thing, dude. This is just a, a large contribution to me not um, not being happy about these fights. Um, I, I kind of was in the same same vein of uh, how I was after two forty nine, where you know all my favorites lost. But I, at the end of the day, I was like, I'm just so happy the fights are back. I kind of was like that for this as well. Um, like as soon as the fights were over. I was super sad that um, Wal Harris lost, but I, I just, I, I walked away with a feeling, especially after his postal interview, I was like, he doesn't want our pity. God damn, he just wanted to go out there, go out on her shield, give it, give it his fucking all. I mean, he obviously wanted to win, but uh, that was probably the best case scenario for him. The ref, Big Dan gave him every opportunity to get out of there. You could make the call that it was a late stoppage, but honestly, you could have you could have made the call that he could have stopped it when Walt was winning in the first round. Like Walt had Overeem hurt bad uh, in the first round; he fucking busted that lip open again. Uh, there was a cut above his eyebrow as well. Like he fucking did damage in the first round. But the proof that that Overeem was able to survive and reverse it, I think, proves that it was it was a a good stoppage. So I think he had to let it go. Like if if you, um, like one, one of the stoppages of, uh, big Dan's that I'm not a fan of is the Pebra check Congo one. Although it probably is a really good stoppage, but fucking check Congo, like was dropped like three times and, and came back. And then Pebra was dropped once and he called the fight. Like that's, uh, that always has never made sense to me. But just the fact that, um, Walt, uh, was dominating over him early. I think he had to um, give him more opportunities to get out. But um, the end was a little bit late in my opinion because he was like just in the same position eating those shots for like a full minute kind of and he was like, got to move Walt. Like just kind of not having that sense of urgency. But ultimately it, it was the right call and uh, man, good for over him for getting a win on his birthday. Uh, love to see that. I really do. Happy birthday, Overeem. It's, it's actually today. Um, which actually brings me to um, my next point, because we're done talking about fights. Um, today is uh, a special day in the Juice household, in the Jackson Martin household. Uh, today's the 17th, if you're listening to this late. i one recording this is dropping on the 17th. Uh, the 18th, which is tomorrow is uh my wedding anniversary. And the reason we picked that date is because the 17th has always been a special day for my wife uh, because her uh her grandma passed away on this day years ago. And don't say anything uh because she likes to to kind of try and forget about it on today, but we try to do something cool and like to celebrate her memory. So uh I just would would like it if everyone would wish her a, uh, a happy anniversary um, that, that might be cool If you if you do that What am I saying might be cool It, it would be cool But if you don't that's okay too Anyways I love you guys And uh, that was those fights So The UFC does not have um, A fight booked for next week For the next two weeks in my opinion And uh, I'm going to wait till the end to talk about it But I think that's good So for now let's just table this And uh We'll go do a quick break and we'll move on to the forum. Ba ba da ba the forum. All right, guys. Uh if you have been listening to the show regularly, um, over the past like five episodes, maybe four or five episodes, um um, I've done some LA stories for 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 this segment or this this portion of the podcast, like right after the the recaps or whatever. And um I'm just sort of like running out of stories. That I already have told a lot of them on the show. And I don't want to do any repeats. Um, I'm just getting to the point where. Um, like I no longer need to fill time. Because we have fights again. So uh, if you miss those I'm sorry. Uh, I definitely have been loving doing that. But also they've been kind of getting dark. And like I have plenty more stories. That I could tell. But they're sad. Like for real. And I shouldn't be telling them on the podcast. So that's it, dude. That's it. Um, I was thinking about this. Like, there was like, there's a couple that I could, like, mention. Like, there was a time when uh, my friends and I were waiting in line for a show at the UCB. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne walked by in the ugliest fucking tank top I've ever seen in my life. Like, we seriously thought he lost a bet. And it was kind of, like, coinciding time-wise with, like, the um, time when his daughter's, like, um, sex tape dropped or... I don't know if she was, like, trying to do porn. If it was, like, whatever whatever happened. I watched it. It was pretty good. But um, we were thought maybe he was upset about that. But I was like, no, I don't think that's the reason. Uh, but that's not really a story. That's just a quick anecdote about seeing Lawrence Fishburne in an ugly-ass tank top. Um, and I also obviously, like, honestly love him as an actor. So I don't want to be fucking too disrespectful. But that's it, dude. So let's hear from you guys. Uh, this is the part of the show where... Um, my voice is not the most important thing. It is you guys who have the floor, and um, I made a rule about you know one question per episode or what have you. Last uh, well a long time ago actually, but I've been lifting that um, during this uh, pandemic so that we can kind of I don't know just have a little fun and and not feel restricted. Uh, I still reserve the right to not play certain things, but for the most part we're getting these in. So uh, take it away. My man, type on my photo.
1: Yo, Juice. Type on my photo here. Man, I ain't got a lot to say about that fight card because a couple of the people I wanted to, really wanted to win, didn't. But it is what it is. That's a fight game. All I can say is so glad Hernandez fell to the hands of Dober. That makes me so incredibly happy and Man, what do you think is next for Dover? And one last thing, I just got to say that Glover Teixeira, he's still got that dog in him. Man, those powerful hands, never, never given an inch. Incredible, incredible performance by someone of his age. I told everybody who was going to win that fight, and people called me crazy, but there we go.
0: Yeah, he this is obviously when he said that these fights, uh, he was talking about the first fight card. This was sent right after those, um, the one on Wednesday. And uh yeah, man, the fucking the title of this, he titled this Hernandez is dead and I'm happy. <laughs> Could not have encapsulated my thoughts better. So a shout out to that guy. Give him a follow. It's at all street kicks, O L S T Kicks. He's the man. Um and that's here from another guy who's a fucking legend in soon. What's
2: going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we're all good on the northern front up here. Juice, my question for you this week is... Chase the Sherman fucking tank. I know he's a vanilla gorilla, but I call him the Sherman fucking tank, man. He looked fucking great. Really fucking good last night. Actually, I'm re-watching it right now. Actually, I'm two minutes into the first round. Uh, what do you think is next for him? Uh, I'd be interested to see what uh where the, what what the DSC is going to do with him next. So, but that's my question for you, man. What do you think is next for Sherman? I was really impressed with his performance last night. Really, really impressed. So, it is what it is, kids. And it's always four twenty. Peace.
0: Yes, love that. Shout out to Jim. He's the fucking man. Give him a follow at Jimassoon one, I believe. And, uh, I was thinking about this when he sent this in initially, uh, last week or earlier in the week, cause this is after the Wednesday card. I was like, dude, Jim needs to be a manager. Like, can you just imagine like, first of all, the Sherman tank, way better nickname than vanilla gorilla. I gotta say. And like that nickname, the vanilla gorilla has like raised some eyebrows from some people in the community. And rightly so, like I never thought much of it initially, but once people pointed it out, I was like, Oh yeah, that's kind of bad. But, um, man the 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 Sherman tank is a fucking better nickname, and you know what i I was thinking about this too after these last fights. I wouldn't hate if they gave him Arlovsky uh as much as we love- we hate seeing the legends of the sport fight like you know uh the younger guys the 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 sad truth of it is the fight game is about the young lions pushing out the old lions it's a sad truth that we just have to face. And eventually like we gotta do it. And if I'm honest, I like Arlovsky's chances in that fight. It's not like a cra it's not crazy to think he could win that. So uh I I like it a lot. I think it could be a great a great matchup. So um Chase Sherman versus Andre Orloski. Book it. All right, these next three are from Genghis and I'm so fucking happy he's back in the form. This is he's the man.
3: Juicy Baby, it's your boy Genghis. Gotta give me props. You were dead-ass right about that Ninja Turtle shit. Sorry it took me so long to get back to you. I've been beating off a lot. <laughs> uh, this week's question is, board games, monopoly, or trivial pursuit? Which one's better?
0: I'll be back. I love that He says he's been beating off, and that's the reason why he hasn't... Um called into the forum, because I fucking have said in multiple, uh, episodes, uh, if you, if you jerk off and listen to my show, I fucking have massive respect for you, uh, just kidding, I mean, I'm not kidding, but I, I'm kidding about actually saying that as a, as a real response, um, (laughs) or trivial pursuit, here's what, okay, this is a bit of a hot take, (laughs) he's like ready to pounce, um, I'm someone who's really good at trivia. Like I fucking pride myself on that. Whether it's about shit I ha- I give no shits about, or whether it's something I really care about. I fucking am good at trivia. And that's just that's just it, dude. But when it comes to like trivial pursuit as a board game, Monopoly is better. But I sometimes have more fun playing trivial pursuit. So it's like, it's really hard for me to pick one. And here's the thing as well, like, Monopoly, like, can ruin lives. Like, people get fucking, it, some of this can go on way too long, and people can get fucking too into it. Like, uh, I have a friend, and I won't call him out, but he's like in our um, our friend group from from college, who gets way too serious about board games, dude. Like, we'll be just trying to play a good time, have a good time, and kind of fuck off, and be whatever. And he'll sit there, like, completely sober, and being like... And he does drink, it's not, it's not like that, but he'll just be like the one who's like, hmm... And being super strategic, and trying to fucking win. And it gets so annoying, dude. And um, that honestly ruined one of my dates. And I don't think I've ever forgiven him for that, so... You guys taking on whole grudges? Dude, you're fucking mistaken. Anyway, it's Monopoly, so... Um, you can not bury me, uh, Genghis.
3: What's good, Juicy Baby? Genghis back at you. Got an MMA question for you. you know, a lot of MMA Twitter looks soft as fuck to me right now. I mean, where would these motherfuckers be back in Pride Wars when people get in their fucking head kicked in like fucking soccer balls? Yeah, that gulletixer motherfucking Smith shit should have been stopped, but it wasn't. It is what it is, it be what it be. Move the fuck on. If this ain't for you, it ain't for you. Motherfuckers go out there to fight. Not play fucking patty cake, not fucking hopscotch. Fight. They're trying to put their fists through each other's faces. I'm tired of all these soft motherfuckers ruining Goddamn MMA Twitter with their bitch-ass Fucking personalities
0: I gotta say I was one of those soft Motherfucking bitch-asses he was referring to Kind of in a way like after the fight I was so Like distraught with with How long they let that go And this is where I get a little bit You know I wanna say Defensive but I, I do have to say Before anything hearing this message From Genghis uh, because he sent this like that, it was either, I think it was the next day after those fights. Turn me around. I was like, you know what? He has a very good point, and what he said about bitch asses ruining MMA Twitter with their bitch ass personalities. You have no idea how much I agree with that dude. Even if I fucking am one of those from time to time, I fucking agree with that. Like, there's plenty of 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 cucks on MMA Twitter that I just can't stand, dude. Which is why I've been spending a lot less time there. And my mental health has gone fucking through the roof, dude. I am so much better for not being on Twitter as much. Like I, I can't tell you how much I am. And I've been coming on because I, I, I don't want to not interact with you guys. Uh everyone that listens to the show, I fucking really appreciate and uh I, I still love hearing your shitty takes and hearing you put up with my shitty takes. Um that's not disrespect. Like we all have shitty takes. But here's the thing also. There are are people on Twitter who are just waiting to pounce and and call you a hypocrite. There's motherfuckers who have fucking screenshots of your past takes that are maybe disagreeing with a current one, being like, oh, so isn't that like the time you said this? Oh, I have the receipts. First of all, go fuck yourself. Like, take a step back and fuck your own face. Secondly, when it comes to this kind of thing, I always feel like I can have my cake and eat it too. Like I can, I can say it was uh, a bad stoppage and also admit that I enjoyed the fight. I don't have to say, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking virtue signal. I'm not going to say, Oh, this is bad for our sport. This is a, you know, whatever. But you can also sit there and watching and being like, Hey man, that's a terrible stoppage. Like, as much as Anthony Smith wanted to go out on a shield, we have to protect him from that. These fighters would die in there, dude. They really would have. And it's one of those things, man. Like, I talked about this uh, in episode 17 of this podcast. And I remember that episode because the, the, the episodes before and after that That three episode span of 16, 17, 18 Were the most emotional And depressing episodes I've ever done Besides episode 2 which is terrible No one should read it And that's not reverse psychology Just don't fucking listen to it However, that week uh, That I was recording episode 17 Like the week prior Two boxers died And I can't remember their names at the moment And I should One of them was a Russian gentleman But it was fucking really bad it was really bad. And I said, dude, if if you fucking like the culture of of warrior mentality and just celebrating it sometimes is a little too much. It really is. Like when Brian Ortega fought Max Holloway and he he told his his, his coaches and he told he he's like, I was ready to die in there. I believe that. I 100 percent believe that. And if you don't think Anthony Smith was ready to die in there, you're wrong. So at a certain point we got to protect them from themselves. Like if you're an Anthony Smith fan. And you wanted that fight to go on longer than it did. I'm sorry. You're not an Anthony Smith fan. And that's just my opinion on it. But I thank you for sending that Genghis. Because it was needed. And uh, needs to be said. I don't necessarily like the term soft. But uh, hey. It is what it is.
3: And another motherfucking thing. I understand the hate on John Jones. Even though half the motherfuckers are hypocrites. Because they like one guy who fucking beats his kids or whatever, but you know. Anyway, neither here nor there. I'm used to the pussy shit. The back and forth two faced shit. That is what it is. But this Francis shit. People saying he hasn't had a chance to beat Francis. I'm seen that all over the timeline the past couple days. Who are these fucking casuals and when do they start watching? I mean, they need to stop dick riding and stop hating so much. Besides striking power, where the fuck does Francis have the goddamn edge on John Jones? I mean, I understand saying Francis can win or Francis is gonna win, but saying John Jones has no chance? Motherfuckers spiking their haterade with that moonshine and hopping on their keyboard all willy-nilly. You know I love you, dude. Keep it up.
0: And I love you too, bro. Man, I agree with that shit so hard. And I, here's the thing, I'm a big John Jones hater as well, or at least uh, uh, I criticize him when uh, every opportunity I get because uh, it's needed. But I gotta say, uh, if you think that he has no chance against Francis Ngannou, I I don't know what to say that'll make you disagree with th- with that I-, I just like if you actually believe that I-, I just don't know what i can do to convince you otherwise because that is just so fucking well like what he said about that like this is the definition of a puncher's chance like understand like if, if we're to match him up against any heavyweight other than maybe stipe francis probably has the best chance because if he lands on you it fucking uh can be like that's all she wrote but you know what I learned from the Reyes fight? Like, John Jones has a fucking chin. And he has made a career out of not getting hit. So he has a chin that has not been tested. And Francis Ngannou is is putting away people that have been in wars or have been knocked out. And yes, it's fucking scary. And yes, it's impressive. But it also makes them more susceptible to these knockouts. And we don't talk about that enough. Like, I just feel like John Jones is not going to play Francis's game. And I do think that Ngannou... Like, this is... In my opinion, I would love to see this fight. Like, it has to happen. Uh, John Jones needs to move up to heavyweight at some point, And Ngannou could land on him. And that could be fucking scary. But dude, if you don't think he's going to fucking wrestle him into the ground, you don't know MMA. Because if Stipe can do that, John Jones sure as hell can do that.
2: What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? How's it going there, juice and all you juice heads? Uh, hope everybody's doing good. Man, what a week for fucking USCA. Eh? I was just so impressed with everything they'd pulled off. You know, how smooth it really was. Um, my question for you is, what do you think is next for Edson Barbosa? Stay at 45 and take a run at that belt? Or go back up to 55? I If he's okay with the weight cut, um, I don't mind having him stay at 45 so we can take a run at that sucker. But, again, you know, it's up to him, right? You know what I mean? The older you get, the harder it is to cut. So, it is what it is. And as always 420, motherfuckers. Peace.
0: Fuck yeah, Jim. Fuck yeah. And here's the thing. Uh, I think he should stay at featherweight. I was not a fan of this. Um, I did not think he had a lot to cut. Uh, I did not know about him having to, like, try to make 155, you know what I mean? Like, try to stay heavier. Um, I did not know about that. He did not look like a method on the scale, as my boy T. Cross likes to say. He looked good on the scale, and he looked good in the fight. His speed was not gone. Um, his chin held up, which is important. Like, Daniege has uh, has got hands, and uh, and Edson took some big shots from him. So, I honestly do think he should stay at featherweight. Lightweight is only getting deeper, and featherweight is, is always going to be deep as well, but if, if they honestly, if they put him in the rankings, like there's a lot of fun fighting him at featherweight and uh, his best shot at the title is at featherweight. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a fighter, that should be your goal. I mean, the goal should be either make the most money possible or get the title, which is the biggest possibility, the most money because the pay-per-view points and, and you could pay more when you fight for a title. Like in the whole sport of MMA, the UFC title is the most financially rewarding thing. Um, many fighters have come out and said that And I think it's true Not that you can't make money If you're not a champion Plenty of guys have And there's other ways to do it But if you if you are already that guy And you fucking fight with the title That's You're making bank So I think you should do it I think you should save 45
2: Hey there Juice Smokey J here Fucking taking a hit From the King of Bong shit uh awesome podcast man fucking love it keep up the good work uh, we have been at a spoiled bunch of cunts this last week with the fucking ufc putting on three events in eight days uh, fucking shout out to florida for coming through in a big way and doing that uh what i want to know from the last two events man who impressed you the most i'm gonna go out on a limb with mine and say it was glover to I'm always ready to write that old cunt off before his fights, but he always comes out and fucking finishes my boys. Uh, Drew Dober was impressive as well, and Cheeto was fucking robbed. Who impressed you the most, man? Bye.
0: Fuck yeah, Smokey J. I love that he got a new bong. <laughs> he tweeted a picture of it, and I was like, thinking of calling this bong Francis because it hits fucking hard. I thought that was so funny. Um, I got to say, um, I knew Glover could do that. To me the most and, and I'm kind of with you like I'm always ready To, to write him off in a sense Um because he just has had a lot of fights And a lot of wars But I also Am always willing to write off him, And I definitely did To the point where I literally had a song Basically queued up for if he got Knocked down in the first round or in the second round Which is kind of what I expected And uh maybe I jinxed it By doing that Maybe I didn't um this this uh this weekend pretty much solidified the fact that I'm gonna retire the the intros that are not the fighting with myself one, um because I just it's too it's too much. I I tried a Jeff Buckley one as well and that one wasn't it. So goodbye uh, intros. Anyway, um Overeem man th- that that was my most impressive to, to be honest with you because he was fucking gone. Like here's a guy who has had eighteen knockouts. That's a lot. That's a fucking lot of knockouts And there are people that have more And it's not like the most But it's probably the most in the UFC He's had 14 on, in MMA and 4 in kickboxing If I'm not mistaken I think we counted this in the um, the Tea Time with T-Cross podcast Which you guys should all listen to by the way Um, So he, he impressed me the most Because I really didn't expect him to To have the amount of success he did And especially didn't expect him To come back from getting dropped And unloaded on like he did like as much as we say him is chinny, his chin held up. So uh I don't know, man. Like he's just an enigma to me. Because as much as he's been knocked out as well, I never really hear him slur his speech. And the guy speaks like at least two languages, English and Dutch. He might speak a third, I'm not sure. Um he sometimes is a little bit unself aware with being like, Yeah, I got five more years of me or whatever, but like Maybe he does. Maybe he knows some shit we don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, Overeem, I can never pin pin down. So so he's my guy for, for that for that question. Great question, Smokey J. All right,
3: Juice, it is my opinion. But the judges are trash. You know that, too. Everybody knows the judges are trash. I mean, some of these scores, even for the rounds, are ridiculous. 30-27, it's out of control here. And then, obviously, it's dictating who's winning the fights when I don't think some of them should be winning the fights. Meanwhile, it's also dictating what's going on for the fighters' futures as well in the division. What do you think should be done with these judges? or what do you th- Not done, but what do you think they should do with the judging situation, actually? All right, later, brother. How the fuck do I turn this thing off? <laughs> Gotta stop eating fucking edibles early in the goddamn morning.
0: And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Pete Bagels. Shout out to Pete Bagels. Fucking love that guy. Go give him a follow. Um, Man, dude, I got to say, this judging was terrible. I agree. And um, my girl actually had a great tweet that was like, maybe it's MMA Twitter who doesn't know how to judge, which, by the way, is true. Um, I've said it before. I do not like seeing Twitter judging. I don't like it. Um, But that said... I like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable on the sport and I actually read the criteria and don't make up my own like some of these people online who shouldn't have an account. Um and I I was agreeing or I was sorry disagreeing so hard with some of these judging. Like both can be true. The judges can be wrong and MMA Twitter can be wrong. Um I don't know. So in my opinion we need more judges. We need 5. Um especially for title fights like especially for title fights. Obviously there weren't any in this in this uh um on this card and that's not what I was uh, referring to. But we need more. Now, during a pandemic, obviously we should not. But uh I just think something needs to be done. First of all, the um the scoring system needs an overhaul. Like the 10-point must system was designed for boxing and not designed for MMA. Yes, our criteria is a little bit different, but it just it doesn't work like Pride had something there with judging the whole fight as a whole um was that redundant yes am i going to change it no um it just it needs to happen like visible damage matters and yes there are some fighters who get cut easily because of scar tissue and and that sort of weighs as heavily but honestly fucking that's i don't know i i just i just don't think the round by round scoring system is fucking good it encourages point fighting dude the whole idea of mixed martial arts was predicated on the fact that we're trying to find who the best fighter is what the best style is and who's the best um competitor on the night the 10 point must system turns this into a sport and yes uh some of you guys like that i personally do not um and yes it's like uh i don't know an athletic endeavor and athleticism is celebrated in our sport, but fucking dude, it's, it's about combat and it's not about fucking points. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm just not a fan of that, of the current system we have. So that's my two cents. I don't know that anything can be done because, you know, at this point, it's like screaming into a void. Good luck convincing the government. They're wrong. Like, we have the system we have in place because of this, the commissions and the sanctioning. You know, it didn't used to be uh, judging. Like, it was just like fight to the death, basically. And they answered the time limit, and it was a draw if you didn't uh, get to the time limit. Or finish before it, uh, rather. So, great question, Pete. I'm so glad um, you decided to send in a voice question for that. Fucking wicked cool voice. Shout out to Shout out to you. And uh, we got another man, one for my man. Type on my photo.
1: Juice just got around to sending the question. Just flabbergasted from last night. Had a perfect card, other than the three fights that were a little cheesy. But it is what it is. Um, how to say, Cheeto, man, dude's a lot of fun to watch. Also, when it comes to bonuses, I have no idea how Landwehr and Elkins didn't get one. That was a bloodbath, and the best fight of the night.
0: Fuck yeah, dude! Thank you for bringing that up, man. This is something that pisses me off. Uh, I was talking to this guy on the on Fight Night, and we were basically agreeing with um with who we thought should have won those fights that I, I talked about. Um, basically it was uh, a terrible night for judging But honestly um, The bonus thing is a, is a good thing to talk about Because I have not talked about that yet I think there should be more Fighter Than the Night bonuses And it's a crime that there's not And if they want to have like a 200k per card cap Then make the bonuses 25k So you can award more Fight of the Nights Because dude it's needed like that, that land where Elkins fight needed a fight of than I bonus. Those, go- the fact that Darren Elkins got half his paycheck for taking that much damage is fucking criminal. Like the show win pay structure is more than antiquated. That shit needs to go. These guys need to be making a flat rate. Um, they took years off each other's life, dude. Like what the fuck? I I just I just can't I can't defend it anymore. Like I d- d- more bonuses. We need more bonuses. They need more pay. Uh, they're putting their health on the line in uh, More so than usual Because of this situation And those guys fucking went above and beyond By the way Darren Elkins with that mustache Cute Just gotta say that Okay, uh, Thank you for that uh, type of my photo Great guy
4: Hey Juice It's MMA Catfish And you know I feel like You don't even, you don't even know me, man. All this time, you thought I was riding my mountain bike and then drinking beer? Fuck no! I will ride up a 2,000-foot climb, pound an 8% beer, and then bomb the downhill motherfucker! Which, I don't know, might have something to do with why the frame on my bike got cracked. Anyhow, fuck that shit. Uh, still gonna do it. I don't give a fuck. Um... Gosh, this has gone long. I also don't give a fuck. Anyhow, you know what I won't do while riding my bike? Not wear a helmet. So I'm headed home from the trail because I forgot my helmet like a fucking retard on a garage floor. My question for you this week pertains to, am I a hypocrite? I have said that I don't want to watch the events, and I have it, and I've made it clear I don't mind if other people watch, although I don't know who's actually, how many people have actually listened to that fact. However... I have watched them after the fact, and I don't really see anything wrong with that. Personally, um, my opinion on why I do it after the fact is I have not contributed to the metrics for the event, including even simply conversation in the moment on social media, which we all know the UFC does pay attention to. And this event is going to happen no matter what. In fact, we can all not watch. All of us normal MMA fans could not watch and the UFC would still do it because they want to hit those numbers and get their payout. And they don't actually give two fucks about what the viewership is. So, that being said, am I a hypocrite for watching them after the fact on BitTorrent? Or am I just caving slightly to the reality of the fact that it doesn't matter what the fuck this tiny little catfish in this giant MMA pond does?
0: Be in. <laughs> Great question, Seth. And here's the thing, dude. By the way, that's MMA Catfish. Shout out to him at MMA Catfish. First of all, I gotta say the the drinking beer while you're writing a bite thing. I was pretty sure you were. I was just hoping that you were waiting until after the fact. And uh, <laughs> does anyone else think that that sounded just like me? Like that, I don't give a fuck. And then, anyway, like that's not, I I thought I was listening to my own show for a second. Um, wow, that's just so meta because I'm recording right now. Talking anyway, whoa, that's so weird. And I gotta say, first of all, do you? Because I've been called a hypocrite more times in the span of me doing this show than I have in my entire life, and I've gotten to the point where it doesn't bother me anymore. How many times do I have to say fighting with myself is not just a name. It is how I live my life. I don't agree with myself half the time. I got to fucking... I'm constantly at war with my own opinions. Uh, I don't always agree. I make snap fucking decisions and then go back on them. So I don't give a fuck about being called a hypocrite. And you shouldn't either. But I do have some thoughts about what you're doing. Especially when you said... um, When you laid it out like that. So I appreciate... You wanting to make your voice heard and say that you don't think the u s c should be holding fights during a pandemic, and we've had many conversations on this. I pretty much agree with you, but I've also pretty much turned a corner since they've been back because i I think it's good for the economy i think it's it's good that these fighters are getting a chance to earn a living, and it's helped my mental health a lot to have a fucking sense of normalcy back in my routine and I'm just so happy to be interacting with the timeline again. Um, and there's been like far less trolling during actual fights, which is so appreciated. And if you're doubling down on not watching and not participating in social media, that's good for, for your stance, I guess. But I don't know about watching them after the fact on BitTorrent, if that's the way to go about it, dude. Because first of all, one of the reasons I... I'm adamant about buying the pay-per-views, especially this last one, is because it helps out the fighters. Even if they're not getting pay-per-view points, even if the UFC is still not going to do the revenue share, ultimately feeding into the company, there's a tri- trickling effect. And I'm, I'm just not going to not do that. And I was listening to an interview with Dominic Cruz um, after his recent loss, and he was saying that when you go to negotiate with the UFC, they... They bring up the fact that, you know, viewership spiking during your fights gives you leverage. And if you're torrenting it after the fact, it's not really supporting the fighters in a way that's good. Yes, you're doing it in in protest of the UFC, which is fine. Um, But I just think there's a way to go about it. I don't know. Again, don't take my word as gospel. And don't worry about being called a hypocrite. Because honestly... Fuck 'em, you know what I mean? Fuck 'em, and you can call me up as well. Shout out to Seth, great guy. And now we're moving on to some Twitter questions, uh, but before that, we do have a DM question from my man Phil, the MMA dude. Shout out to Phil on the Split Decision podcast. Um, they, they do a great show. That is um, really glad to, to have when the fights are back because their their banter is, is great. I wish, if I'm honest, I wish it was a little longer. Um, that's not a criticism on it I just sometimes I'm like I want it to go a little longer On certain topics especially Did I just say especially? I think it's because I was saying topics If you say especially unironically, Ironically I, I can't trust you Alright um, Question from Phil He says Juice I said on Wednesday that In my opinion Michael Johnson is the biggest Derailed hype train in the UFC history Do you agree or is my take harsh? Um I don't know that It's, it's a hard question to answer because I don't know that either are true. I don't know that he was ever uh, a hype train, if I'm honest. Um, he's a guy who is one of those like, kill or be killed guys that's just going to have some bad performances. And um, he's also a guy that, while he has like at least high school, if not college wrestling background, but doesn't always use it, And certainly didn't uh, work on his jiu-jitsu enough to be able to escape submissions because he does have some some submission losses. It's also... It's one of those things for me. Michael Johnson proves that MMA is a sport where you're winning until you're not or that styles make fights and anyone can win when all the chips fall in their favor. Like, I think it was Kevin Lee that had a quote once who was like... uh, I think he was talking about Gaethje, um and his win over Michael Johnson. He's like, Mike got thirty fights, lost half of them. And that, honestly, is the best Kevin Lee impersonation you're ever going to hear. So, um, don't at me on that. But hey, uh, if you want to call him a derailed hype train, I'm not going to say that's a terrible take or anything. I just don't know that he ever was a hype train. Um, and I don't think he's ever been derailed because if we're talking about him getting derailed as a hype train, he... Uh, Is like on the tracks Off the tracks On the tracks Off the tracks Like He's always been like A win one lose one Kind of guy And His win over Tony Ferguson Is always going to be Something that he'll have Uh, Him also Knocking Dustin Poirier Cold um, Is going to be Something he'll always have And He'll always be the guy The first guy to have I don't know Khabib show some Some weakness on the feet There's going to be some hipsters that are going to talk about the Gleason Tebow fight, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um, It's just just one of those guys, and I I just think he's uh, always fun to watch. Um, I'm I'm not going to get too much into it because there's another Michael Johnson in the forum that I think is uh, is important, but uh, in my opinion, no. But uh, I don't think that's a harsh take necessarily. I just think it's a little bit, uh, maybe a little much. I don't know, but uh, love you, Phil. You're the man. And now we're moving on to the Twitter forum, which for uh, having two fight cards, if I'm honest, is a little bit light, but uh, I love everyone that participated. All right, we got another one uh, from MMA Catfish. Um says, much is made about Arlovsky's chin, but since he absorbed Rumble's massive power, which was at heavyweight with no USADA, and lost the decision with a broken jaw, he hasn't shown any chin issues. Like the chin healed stronger. It's been 10 years... What the fuck, everyone still act like he had a glass jaw. Uh, I don't know about that, bro. Um, because the Rumble fight was in World Series of Fighting. Um, I think may have been affliction. No, I think it was World Series of Fighting, and that was before he came back to the UFC. And the Nganu fight and the Stipe fight were definitely after that. Also, his fight with Travis Brown. He was almost out. Like that round was a fucking... I think it was a one round fight. But it almost went the full five. Like it was the fucking crazy... I think it won round of the year that year. Like it was just so many back and forth uh, exchanges. Where he was almost fucking out of it. Like uh, Arlovsky does... um, I think he, he has shown me that... The word chinny... Doesn't always fucking matter. Like... You can make improvements on it. And they also say that. You know it's the shot that you don't see coming. That hurt the most. So someone getting like. Wonder Boy getting knocked out from Pettis. Doesn't make him chinny. Uh, especially after having years of kickboxing. With um, an undefeated record. And just like. Absolutely taking some bombs. From Tyron Woodley and not going out. like That's just crazy to me. But you can, you can get. You can survive shots and still be chinny. But you can also... I don't know what I'm trying to say here. You're making me stumble over my words. God damn you. Who do you think you are? R.S.P.? I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, dude, I just think um, Arlovsky has just got a, a bit of a career resurgence. Like uh, Luke Thomas has, has done this, I'll call it a bit, I guess, or just kind of made the point a while wow, that heavyweight heavyweights have se- have seemed to have like more than any other division they seem to be able to have like second and third acts in their career like there's plenty of times where we've counted jds out and his come back over him as well case in point last night same with arlovsky like there's just plenty of times where they can have terrible fights like arlovsky versus ben rothwell ben rothwell looked like dog shit he really did and Ar- Arlovsky looked great. And he took some, shot, some shots from Ben. And then Ben Rothwell just came back and had a war with OSP where he was fucking giving him the business. So, dude, heavyweights are an enigma. Like, it's it's kind of hard to call heavywe- heavyweights chinny, even though I've definitely said that about plenty of them. It's just, it's weird. I think it's because, for the large part, they don't cut weight. And I think there is something to be said about that. Because uh, when you cut weight, you're largely um, losing water. And uh, your body is... 97% water, 70% water, 90% water, some large percent. And uh, your brain can only take so much when it's dehydrated. So what do I know? All right, question from my man Joe Blogs at Joe Blogs 74 He says, Anthony Smith stoppage, early stoppage? Was the ref drunk? Obviously, he's trolling, dude, but uh, he's got some other legitimate questions. Uh, we all know that was a terrible stoppage. And not early. Definitely late. <laughs> My man, LFC Trance just fucking dropped a gift that said, I'm out. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. His takes are much appreciated on the timeline. All right, Joe. This is a, this is another real uh, question from Joe Box. He says, who gets the next shot at John Jones? Jan, Glover, or Nganu? Honestly, if he goes up to heavyweight, I think he should fight Nganu. Because if he go and, and and I know he's not really gonna go up unless it's a title fight. But honestly, he should do what Anderson Silva always did, which is to fight like non title fights in the weight class above to kind of test the waters and then if you lose yourself still the champion at the the weight class below. Um and then honestly like John Jones' career has been about not taking risks. So why not take a non title fight? It just it just makes all the sense. But he's also said like, dude, I watched an interview one time where he was like, I think maybe a small heavyweight would be good for me, like a Mark Hunt or Cain Velasquez, like one of these small heavyweights. I was like, bro, you're such a fucking, I don't know, I don't want to go off on a tirade because there's a lot of John Jones fans that listen to this podcast that I respect. And you know what, dude? It's not the time. But to answer your question, I think we need the Reyes rematch. I think, I think the time is right for that. I think it needs to happen. Um... I love the memes of Reyes in the in the press conference, being like, "I, I just have a question for the judges. Who are you?" <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, it has to be Reyes. I think Jan maybe deserves to sit and wait for the winner of that. Although they're probably going to want to get one in, so I wouldn't hate it if they did Jan versus Glover. Um, maybe a title eliminator that would be good, but. Glover might fuck him up, dude. That's a tough fight. Obviously, there's some recency bias there. But um, the bullish power. Man, that's a fun fight, actually. Dude, Jan versus Glover. That's the fight to make. Jan versus Glover. Reyes, Bones 2 on the same card. That's it. That's what I got to say. Another one from Joe Blogs. He says, have the judges caught Corona? Bad decisions last night. Yeah, dude, you already, uh, you already know my stance on this terrible decisions terrible um and not just on on the uh on the one last night the Wednesday one had some bad ones as well like um I didn't talk about that too much but I was just thinking about it like there was just some wild fucking decisions I don't know it was it was weird it was really weird M- more so on the on 249 than the last one and definitely more so on this one um uh, another one from Joe He says should Michael Johnson be cut from the UFC? He's 3 and 8 in his last 11. You know to be honest with you, I I don't think so because he's always a guy that shows up no matter what. Um he's taken some short notice fights, he's gone down a weight, he's gone up in weight. He agreed to fight fucking Tony Ferguson on 24 hours notice at UFC 209. Like the guy doesn't give a fuck and He's kind of like Artem Lobov Lobov in that regard. Like his record doesn't really tell about the caliber of fighter he is. And it also doesn't necessarily indicate that he should retire or change organizations. Because here's here's the thing. He should only change organizations if it gets him more money. Because in my opinion, he should end his career in the UFC. Um, And that's not now. Because he doesn't look like he's slowing down necessarily. He's just sort of getting... Like the, the the new crop is getting the best of him in terms of like skill set, but it's not like he's slowing down necessarily and getting like worked in a really bad way. I don't know. It, it's hard to it, it's hard to qualify it. But if if he wants to fight out his contract and test the waters of free agency, I'm all for that. All fighters should do that because um, it, it gets you let you know your worth. Like if you end up re signing with the UFC, it means that you know your value or the UFC knows your value. But if you're able to get a better offer elsewhere, take it. And that ladies and gentlemen concludes the forum. Yep. That's it. That's literally it. Um, So if you want to get involved in the forum, you can send me a question literally anytime. Uh, You can DM uh, my Twitter at FWM underscore pod. Throughout the week, when a question comes to mind, you can send me an email at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. That's also a great way to send audio questions because you can record them without a time limit. Um, You can record them on your own and just send it as an attachment to that email. Or the most popular way that I prefer is to do it on Anchor, which is to to download Anchor, search Fighting With Myself, and uh, send a message. That way um, you can record a clip that's up to one minute, and I'll play it on the podcast even if I disagree with it, especially because I I like to to refute things and uh, make sure every voice is heard and make sure that mine is not the most important one. So with that, I will end the show and uh, we'll do a little outro. All right, we are rounding third base here, getting into the home stretch. And uh, did I just make a baseball reference, even though I don't like baseball at all? Yes. But that was for you guys. I didn't have to do that. I did that for you. Anyone watching or listening, hopefully you're not watching, that would be weird. Anyone who loves baseball, because I know there's some of you out there. And I have a few final thoughts about um, the cards that just went down. So, so far, the only uh, positive test to come out of this for COVID-19 has been Jacare and his two cornermen. And they're supposed to be testing everyone like a bunch. And I, I, I think they should not try and hold another event for a couple weeks and wait to see what happens. If anyone else shows symptoms, um, the fighters should have access to testing. I know after the Brasilia event, um, Random Marcos and John McDessie showed symptoms and they were just told to quarantine themselves, which was fucking insane. Um, anyone, even if they're not. On the premises with the UFC, they should have access to testing. And uh, I think it's good that so far, what I can tell, the next UFC event is June 6th. That's another pay per view. And um, what's weird is if you go on the UFC.com website, it has Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer as sort of like on the headline. Uh, like normally, the headliner is the only pictures that you see uh, on the first page. But normally it also says their names This one says TBD versus TBD So that either tells me that's a mistake That hasn't been corrected Or they're still looking for a headliner And they just put Amanda News and Felicia Spencer As kind of a placeholder Which, number one, is a little disrespectful But number two, it's indicative of the situation Also if you go on there There's no prelims listed It's just the whole card Which is like five fights at the moment, maybe six uh, But I think it's five And that's telling So I think it's good that they're, they're Pumping the brakes for now Because I think we should wait And see if any more come out of this I think we owe that to ourselves To not just like rush Because all experts say if, if, if we just say Okay states are open now again Everyone go out and everyone rushes outside Shit could fucking regress We gotta take it slowly So I like that they cranked out these two fight cards this week and sort of got a lot of people jobs that otherwise wouldn't have them and sort of made up for lost time. That's great. But now let's take a little breather. Let's remember why we stopped for so long. Let's focus on some matchups that make sense for the divisions and put together a respectable fight card. Because here's the other thing as well. Like I was thinking about some a lot of the fights on here that were short notice. And in a normal world, short notice fights are a thing. And it's a risk you take and you know that. And you're often rewarded for it. Like either you get a bump in pay or I got to get to UFC contract that otherwise wouldn't have gotten one. Such as Erwin Rivera. But I got to say, I feel like if they keep doing fight cards like this. Where the, the matchups are just like cobbled together. They should be exhibition matches that don't go on their record. Um, And I know that's a a bit of a controversial take Like people aren't going to necessarily agree with that But think about it Like the fights on Tough uh, On The Ultimate Fighter They're exhibition matches But they're sanctioned by the commission They have to weigh in for them If someone misses weight they don't fight It's not like they can get 30% of their purse And and the, the fighter can decide whether or not They want to take the fight No if you miss weight you're fucking out And that's why People in tough often fight up a weight class, as was the case with a lot of these fights too. Brian Kelleher, Chitovera, etc. Um, and and so, I kind of think they should do that as well. Now, I like that certain people are, are getting more wins, and obviously it's on the big stage and not on tough, but maybe they should do that. I was also thinking about the no crowd thing. Like I know that even before the pandemic started, they were thinking about having some smaller cars at the apex, and I think they should do that. They should continue to do that um, because it would be fun. Like uh, maybe do Wednesday night fights or something. You know They already have the Contender Series, and obviously that's a vehicle for, for scouting talent. But um, there's some problems with that show. I won't get into it now, but there's some problems with it. Um, I would much rather have like a, a small fight card, maybe 9 or 10 fights uh, in the Apex or some sort of small arena with no crowd, even in a normal situation. And uh, maybe do that every two or three weeks, so that it's a little bit of a of a treat. I don't know; it would just be fun. Um, and I guess that th- those are my final thoughts on that. This is a, a short episode, and um, that kind of surprises me because there was two fight cards, but it is what it is. Uh, much love to everyone and their family who are listening to this. Stay safe. Wear a goddamn mask if you're in public. Um, social distance because it's important. Um, even if uh, you think you're not safe, someone else might not be, and you could be asymptomatic and not know it. You could be caring, and you could be transmitting to someone who's otherwise healthy. It's it's scarier than you think. So, um, With that in mind, you can follow me on social media at FWM underscore pod, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also find me at, uh, at Aaronish Jackson, but I will... I'm making an effort to not tweet about MMA on that account because I just want to separate it and I don't want to get random follows from people that are just sort of trying to hear like hot takes every now and then. Uh, Anyway, that's it. That's it for me. Good night and good fights.